And we're back with episode 42 of Dog Football Weekly. It's your host, Reed, with the co-host. Russ. And Russ, you know, man, it's been almost nearly a month since we've done a podcast. Took some time off, played a lot of basketball this past month, but maybe one of the craziest and busiest off-seasons, really intro months after the college football season that we've seen in a long time. Russ, let's go ahead and start with some of the big dog moves. Nick Saban retires. Kalen DeBoer now takes over. In Alabama, what do you think about the hire? How long do you think he'll last? How do you think he performs? And how do you think he fits in that system? Um, So, obviously, you know, it's hard to replace a guy like Nick Saban, um, even though, you know, he's probably there a little bit, helping out with the team and whatnot. But um, the hire was not my favorite. Mm -hmm. I think there was some better candidates out there, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin, maybe, for instance, would be a good one for me. Um, personally, the Alabama and Washington, those are just two different two different teams. Um, he's going to have to step up and really coach this Alabama team the way that SEC football is played, not the way, you know, Washington played football this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Washington made it really far, but – I don't really see him lasting super long at Alabama with the expectations, you know, super high. Um, but that's just my take on it. Yeah, I – when I saw the hire, I was like, Kevin DeBoer? I mean, it was kind of like, what? And it one, it doesn't make sense to me. He's not a guy from the South. He's not a guy who knows the area as far as recruiting goes. But I think when Nick Saban left – Alabama, I thought they were going to announce their coaching hire within 24 hours, but I think it was kind of like crap because they didn't get Dan Lanning, they couldn't get Sark, and Lane Kiffin's the one where I was like, did they even go there with Lane Kiffin? But in my mind, I'd rather have Lane Kiffin than I would Kellen DeBoer because Lane Kiffin knows the area. Lane Kiffin's been at Alabama before. He knows what it's like. He knows what would be expected of him. But also, think about how many guys on that Ole Miss roster will just hop in the portal and come over there on to Alabama. So – I think you wouldn't have as big of a rebuild ahead of you. Alabama's still going to have a good football team in 2024. Alabama's still going to be a ranked team. They're still going to win a lot of football games. But Kalen DeBoer has the, is the hottest seat in America. He's on the hottest seat in America right now. He is under the microscope every single day, every single day recruiting, every single guy that Georgia gets, every single guy that LSU gets, every single guy that Texas gets, every single guy that Alabama misses on. They're going to all look back to this. They're going to look back to this hire. And I think that Nick Saban left – possibly entering the worst the worst year possible because you're going you're expanding from a 14 playoff to a 12 team playoff and a 14 playoff Alabama still expects to make it every year and usually they do but if they don't make it it's like well you know it's like you, you kind of deal with it because sometimes you're just not one of the four best teams sometimes you're the fifth team and sometimes you don't deserve it like in 2020 or was it 2022 but the problem is is now you're going to a 12 team playoff if he does not make the 12-team playoff this year, I do not know if he will make it to next season. I don't know. I don't see how – and I don't. I honestly don't see a clear path for him to make it. He's never played the Iron Bowl. He's never played – he has to host Georgia, who's going to be the number one or number two team clear cut. He's going to have to play LSU. He's going to have to play – I think he, they play Oklahoma. I don't think they get Texas, they get Oklahoma. But Brent Venables is still going to have a good football team. He's a great coach. And there's just there's so many more games to slip up on on the schedule. 
And to me, I think that, you know, he's going to build up some hype. He's, he's going to build up some steam, some momentum. And it's kind of going to be like, okay, well, maybe he does have a game plan. Maybe he does have something that can work for them. But in reality, I don't think he's the guy. I think the next hire will be the guy. And I think, and this isn't a knock on Kalen DeBoer. I think he's a great coach. But I think that he took the worst job in America. Yeah, well, while we're on the topic of coaches, Jim Harbaugh, you know, left Michigan, went to um, the Chargers. Uh, what do you think about that, Reed? I, I saw it coming. I didn't know if it was going to be um, Los Angeles Chargers. I think, for one, for the Los Angeles Chargers and that football team, I think that is a fantastic hire. You know, you can say what you want about Jim Harbaugh. You can you can call him a cheater. You can call him this and that. You can say he's a weird guy, and I don't think you can really deny any of that. But Jim Harbaugh can coach football. He can coach football at a high level. And he's proven he's a proven winner at the NFL stage. You saw what he did with Colin Kaepernick, regardless of what you think about his political beliefs and what he did during his stint in the NFL. But he took Colin Kaepernick to a Pro Bowl quarterback. He took the 49ers to a Super Bowl in what was really kind of known as a rebuilding year for that team. Um, for the University of Michigan, I don't think there's any stress there. There's not much doubt. Nobody's entered the portal on that team, which I think is unbelievable in this modern age where everybody comes in and poaches your guys. And for your coach, probably the your national champion winning coach of this past season walks out the door and then none of your guys enter the portal. I think that is unbelievable. And I think that is just I think it's just a, a testament of that team and that culture that Jim Harbaugh has built, regardless of, you know, what we think about the SEC. And obviously we favor the SEC over some Big Ten teams. But Jim Harbaugh built a culture there that's gonna stand and Sharon Moore the guy that's taking his place, he's not a household name yet. He's not somebody – everybody's like, Sharon Moore. But if you watch college football at all and you see that team this season, you know Sharon Moore beat Ohio State. You know he went into Happy Valley and handled Penn State. You know he coached the team the first three games of the year. I mean, he coached – Sharon Moore's had just a big a role in this national championship as Jim Harbaugh did. And he was there every step of the way. And when Jim Harbaugh had to go out, Sharon Moore stepped up and stepped in. And I think – that they're going to struggle for – they're not going to be the same Michigan team you saw this year, obviously. Blake Corham's gone. J.J. McCarthy's gone. Roman Wilson's gone. I mean, the list goes on and on on guys you lose. You bring, you bring back – um, what's the – Donovan Edwards, your other running back who had a strong game in the national title game. But I don't sit here – I think Michigan is in a greater position, a better position than Alabama is in numerous ways, and one being that Sharon Moore is not on the hot seat like Kalen DeBoer is, but the other thing is that Michigan, they, they, they don't lose. They're not having a complete culture flip. They're not having a new guy come in and just change everything, and they're not having a total roster rebuild. Michigan's still got the same guys. What do you think, Russ? Um, I like this Michigan team next year. Um, I think they're going to perform well um, under the new coach. Uh, obviously, it's not Jim Harbaugh, but that, like you said, that culture they built there is is unbelievable, and it's something you can't just lose because your coach leaves, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know when he filled in for Coach Harbaugh, um, he did a, a good job, and I mean he's going to win games. Yeah, I there's the this next year for college football is going to be maybe the most intriguing and interesting year. Your conference rebuild. Your conference kind of reconstruction, conference expansion, all that kind of starts. And you forget that, you know, Oregon's coming in. 
um, USC's coming in, UCLA's coming in, Washington's coming in. So there's a lot more competition inside the Big Ten, you know, and I, I people love to knock Georgia, and this is a Georgia football podcast. They love to knock, oh, well, you know, the week's sissy schedule. Oh, who they got this week? Uh, uh, um, Nichols State, App State, um, Samford, who they playing? But, you know, Michigan, if you want to know anything about the Big Ten, Michigan plays a one, sometimes two-game schedule every year. The Big Ten Championship isn't even a football game in their in the way that, that conference is set up. And there's now going to be a lot more losable games on their schedule for them, and I think it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, and I think they'll respond well. Um, Russ, one thing that, you know, this is kind of outside the coaching point of it, but maybe the best, one of the best football players all around in the country entered the portal right after Nick Saban left. Caleb Downs, highly favored to go to the University of Georgia, ended up at Ohio State. Russ, tell me what you think went into that decision. Tell me what you what you think about his move to go to Ohio State instead of the dogs. Um, I think there was, you know, a main factor that went into it, mm-hmm. probably, you know, some NIL money because um, that's all college football is about these days. Um, but another thing, you know, Georgia signed K.J. Bolden. Um, we've got a lot of depth in our defensive backs. It look it looks like, um, and I guess maybe he didn't see a fit at Georgia. Um, but it's weird when he everybody predicts him to go there, mm-hmm. and and he just randomly flips Ohio State. Um, I wish we would have got him. I don't think it's you know the end of the world that we didn't, but um. Yeah, he, he, he's going to be a force over there at Ohio State. Well, I've got many theories about it, and I heard all the Ohio State rumors when he first entered the portal, but I thought people would have been crazy to think that he would not end up at the University of Georgia. He's and But here's what I kind of see. the more After he signed or announced he was going to Ohio State, I kind of see the picture more clearly. Georgia is sitting there, and they don't need Kellen Downs to win a national championship next year. They don't. Georgia brings back Malachi Starks, a first-team All-American, to play safety. They have Joe Aguayu. I don't really know how to say his name. He's sitting on the bench. He's a five-star. You bring in the number one safety, K.J. Bolden, who we think is going to get to play in his freshman year. So you're sitting there going, I mean, yes, Caleb Downs would be a massive bonus, a massive, a massive gain for any team that he ended up on. But Kirby didn't necessarily need him, and Kirby isn't one that we know as far as it goes with Dylan Rayola in another instance is that he's not one to just throw money at a guy who he hasn't even seen play in the Georgia uniform yet. He's going to take his guys over guys out in the portal. And I think that's something that has helped his culture build up, and I think that's something that has helped them build a withstanding culture. And, you know, the Ohio State move, a lot of people think money, and I think – and I've seen numbers on what he got, a lot about $1.2 million up front, thirty k a month stuff in that range, and that's, you know, and that may be true. I think that's probably a little bit inflated. It's hard for me to believe that he got really over a million dollars from the university up, or from the NIL fund, rather, up front. But I think a lot of it had to do with the instance of, you know, people don't really know this part of it, but Caleb Downs had an older brother, Russ, a couple years ago out of high school, got some, you know, kind of some group of five offers, Good foot, really great high school football player, but just wasn't a power five guy. And, you know, Kirby Smart did not go after him. Kirby Smart didn't recruit him at all. 
And I've read all this stuff about Caleb Downs' father having a grudge against Kirby Smart and the University of Georgia, and I think that that played a significant role in this. I don't really know if the grudge whole thing is – but if there is something like that inside a family, I think it would be hard for him to just come to Georgia, even though Georgia ended up with Alabama's DB's coach. And that's kind of – was my tip-off, like, okay, here we go, we're about to get him. Yeah. Um, you want to talk a little NFL uh, playoffs slash draft? I'd love to. Well, if we're going to go, let's go ahead and talk some playoffs before we hit the draft stuff. Super Bowl set, Chiefs 49ers. I think it's probably the, the one outcome that I was like, let's not go there. But what do you really think about this game on paper? What do you, Who do you see winning this football game? And kind of how do you see things lining up? Um, it, truth be told, Patrick Mahomes is a winner. Mm-hmm. And – Everybody knows that. And if you want my honest opinion, I think he he goes out there and dominates the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the possibility that Christian McCaffrey goes out there and has three, tu- three four touchdowns, and, mm-hmm. and they beat the Chiefs. But I, the Chiefs, I have a grudge against the Chiefs because of all the, the Taylor Swift <laughs> and the, the Travis Kelsey stuff and – that's all everybody talks about now. That's all they show on the TV. You can't even watch a game without seeing Taylor Swift in the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just it drives me crazy a little bit that we're taken away from the game um, and the players that are on the field and st- and you know showing Taylor Swift every single week. Mm-hmm. And um, so for that, I'm pulling for the 49ers to win. Yeah. I wanted Lamar to put him out last weekend, but he couldn't do it. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm definitely – I was pulling for Detroit. I love the underdog story. I love Dan Campbell's style of football. And, obviously, Lamar Jackson, I think he's one of the best players in the NFL. You know, it's tough to see him not really perform to his level in the playoffs. But as far as it goes with Mahomes, you know – I don't love Patrick Mahomes. I don't love Kansas City. I don't love Andy Reid. I don't love Travis Kelsey. I haven't loved them ever. There's never really been a team where I was like, oh, great. You know, but sitting here looking at him now, you know, it's you have to acknowledge this is that he is a proven winner. When the lights come on, he has proven to show up. He's proven to play. And, you know, there's really only been one time in his playoff career where he has really just falling off the map, and that's the Super Bowl in 2021 because both his tackles were hurt on the offensive line, and the Bucks team that year was just complete. But to me, he is the X factor of this game. He elevates his play in the playoffs, as we've seen over the past couple of years. I mean, they've been to, what is it, like six, five or six straight AFC championships? Yeah, five or I six. I mean, it's like, that, that is ridiculous. And that, and that conference was so much quarterback talent and so much talent on both sides of the ball. And the NFC's talented too, don't get me wrong. But it's in the NFC it feels like well, you got the you got the forty ers they're always gonna be in it. Packers, but they always fall off. Cowboys always fall off. It's kinda of just like you know, it's gonna be the forty ers But to me, you know, he's not and I see a bunch of stuff on Twitter about after that game last Sunday, you know, Lamar Jackson you know, head down, you know, bad feet in the pocket, not running the ball enough. And I think that's – some of that is partly true. But here's what you can say about Mahomes. You know, Mahomes, 
he hasn't played perfect Super Bowls. He didn't play one, a perfect one last year. The one that he won in 2020, Mahomes threw two picks in that football game. But he keeps he keeps battling, he keeps fighting. He refuses to lose games. And do I think and I think San Francisco has the best all-around team in the NFL and I think they're head and shoulders above Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. But my problem is that it's going to be a close football game and if that game comes down to the wire, it's hard for me to bet against somebody who I think is a future great, who I think if he wins this Super Bowl, cements himself top five all time, regardless of the rest of his career. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, yeah. Let's change to a little Falcons news. You know, yeah. somebody who's not in the playoffs. Um, have they hired Raheem Morris yet? Yeah. Right. Raheem Morris in his coach. Raheem Morris is the new coach out with the Arthur Smith. Um. I saw something online the other day, and it was like, you know, the Falcons try to run their – it's like the Falcons run their offense like they're Golden State, mm-hmm. and they have the Splash Bros, mm-hmm. but they run their offense through the centers. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I saw, and I thought, you know, that's, that's really true. You got all these weapons out there, but you can't get them the ball. Mm-hmm. And so this year, you know, hopefully we're – we're trading up potentially um, and getting a quarterback. Is that what is that what you want to happen? I think they're in the worst possible position in this draft because I don't think I do not know if Justin Fields is the answer in Atlanta. I love I like Justin Fields. I think he's a great athlete. I think he could be a good NFL quarterback, but I don't know if he's the answer for this rebuilding franchise at this time. And yet, the Falcons are the team, are the NFL's best at going eight and nine, nine and eight, and staying in that like eight to twelve range in draft picks every year. They're gonna, they're always gonna be, they're never gonna be like, oh, just awful team, four and thirteen, you know, third and fourth pick. No, they're gonna be eight and nine and get the eighth pick to where the cream of the crop of your quarterbacks, as far as Caleb Williams, Drake May, most likely Jaden Daniels, or Jaden Daniels, are all gonna be off the board. So now you're sitting here like, well, crap. So you can either – they have a choice. They can trade up, which I think is very possible this year. But I also think, I mean, like trade – like how much is it going to cost to end up with Jaden Daniels? And at that point, would you rather have Justin Fields? Like, And I see stuff about, you know, them trading their eighth pick for Justin Fields. And I'm, I'm honestly okay with it in a sense. But at the same time, you know, it's a new system, it's a new coach. And what I honestly have zero confidence in whatever he's gonna do. I, I'm sitting here today and I'm like, I think that there's two logical options. You can either go get Justin Fields, which I'm like, okay. Like I think it could one hundred percent work. I think he could make it work. I think he could play in Atlanta and be successful because he he'll have more weapons in Atlanta than he did in Chicago and he'll have a hopefully a better line with more rebuilding done to it, but but then I think, okay, well, then they can also trade up and get Jaden Daniels or they can somehow end up with Drake May. They end up with one of these guys, and they end up being a stud too. So I think that that's all possible. But knowing the Atlanta Falcons, they're going to keep the eighth pick. We're going to draft who, – who's the guy we draft? I mean, who's are there any good running backs in this class? I don't even know. Running back? We'll draft we, a first-round running back, a, a safety. We'll, we'll go get <laughs> – like Javon Bullard or something. Great football player, but you just don't need him. I mean, I'd, I'd be fine with sitting back and taking, you know, a tackle. 
or something like that if if we're getting Justin Fields through, you know, some kind of other way. Um, if we're not giving up that pick. Um, if we trade up, I'd like to trade up and try to get – I'm not huge on Jaden Daniels. Mm-hmm. I like Drake May a lot. I, I don't I don't know why. I just – I think he's the answer for the Falcons. Um, I think he's a, you know, a pocket passer. He can make plays with his feet too, obviously. But, um, yeah, I just think he's a great fit. And I'd love to see him trade up and get him. I, I think Drake May – to me, his pro comp is Josh Allen. I see it. And yeah. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's kind of got that kind of just that fierce competitiveness that Josh Allen has. You know, Josh Allen plays quarterback like a bull in a china shop. He's not going to go down. He's really not going to slide a lot. He's going to come and he's going to hit you and he's going to refuse to go down in the pocket, which I really love. I think that going and trading up and getting a quarterback for the future instead of trading for Justin Fields – is the move for Raheem Morris and this staff because you need a face of your franchise, just a clean slate. You know, you don't want Justin Fields from Chicago because really he hasn't been great. He's been super inconsistent. He's been turnover prone. He's been not a great passer. Phenomenal runner and phenomenal athlete, but he really just hasn't been the guy. So I'm sitting here and I'm kind of like, let's trade up. Let's tra-. And even if it is Jaden Daniels, I think he's going to be – I don't know. I don't know about Jaden Daniels, honestly. I think he's the superstar potential's there, but the bust potential's there. But I think that's the case with all these quarterbacks. The one thing I do not want to do is trade back. I don't want to trade back. I don't want to wait on a guy and end up with another second or third round pick as a quarterback like um, Desmond Ritter. Because we've seen how that experiment's gone. We've seen how you know we're trying to find a diamond in the rough has gone. Because we can't draft guys like Brock Purdy. That's that's all we do. We just we draft the dudes who from. You know, North Montana Technical College. Yeah, it's like instead Nick, of the the Nick name Kobe, guy, the Kobe Dean sitting on the board in the third round, and they go what Troy Anderson from Montana. I mean, Nicobe Dean doesn't <laughs> even doesn't even play on the on the Eagles a whole yeah. lot, but on the Falcons, he'd be unbelievable. Probably, he'd yeah. be a young star. You know, it's. But back to Justin Fields, I. I don't think Justin Fields is the answer at all long term. Mm-hmm. And he, he you're going to bring him in. He's going to want a long-term contract. It'll almost be like like a Matt Ryan. You know, he but he's I don't think he'll lead us to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But he's just going to have that burden on us with that yeah, all that money we're going to have to give him. Mm-hmm. And it's I just don't think it's the right move for the Falcons. Yeah, I'm sitting here and I think that they're in a an awful spot because they have so much young talent on this roster. They really had a great offseason last year outside of the B. John Robinson pick, who I think he's still a great football player. But I mean, there's just so much I mean, Kyle Pitt's career's being wasted, Drake London's career's being wasted. You got guys like Jesse Bates sitting on that defense, um, AJ Terrell. There's so much talent on this football team for this team to be a playoff contender. I mean, there's this team could have been could have been just as good. They they could have won the division over Tampa. I mean, it was right there for this team with just a better offensive scheme. I mean, just getting your weapons that you paid all this money for, used all this draft capital for, getting them the football, and then really just having a decent quarterback who won't turn it over three times a football game. I mean, it's not. 
unreasonable to ask for. I mean, you can even have a game manager in that system last year, and you can argue that team goes eleven and five, ten and seven. I mean, it'd be eleven and six, ten and seven in that area. I mean, because they're I mean they're right there as far as everywhere else at every other position. Well, early on, I was like, you know, Taylor Heineke's this. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's gonna be the guy. You know, he started Desmond Ritter, got hurt. Taylor Heineke came in, didn't play any better than Ritter, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been like that. It's like, who's going to step up and make plays for the Falcons? Who's going to step up and be the quarterback who doesn't, you know, throw three interceptions every game? Um, mm-hmm. And I think we're going to we're gonna find a quarterback somehow, some way. I hope so. And Raheem Morris is not going to sit back <laughs> and let, you know, Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke run this team another year. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and it's almost like, and I'll be honest with you, Russ, if they want to do that, that's fine. Throw away this season, secure the number one pick next year, draft Carson back, bring in Carson <laughs> back, bring in Queen Ewers, bring in Carson back, get one of them, get, just get a guy. And, you know, kind of wrap things up here. The situation isn't looking great for the Falcons, but as we turn the page and look at 2024 for the Dogs here, Russ, this may be Kirby's best team. I hate to say, He's had some really, really good teams this year. His team was phenomenal. They just couldn't put it together, unfortunately, at the right time. But he's had some really great teams over the past couple seasons. I think this year's team has an opportunity to be the best with maybe the best quarterback in college football at the front. And nobody – you haven't said that about Georgia – Ever, as far as quarterback play goes. But Carson Beck is going to be the guy in 2024, and I, I'm looking for him to make the move at the next level and just and take his game from, okay, he's good, he's all SEC, he's he's great, he's done everything we want him to, to. Here's the Heisman. Here's the Heisman player. Yeah, I mean, Carson Beck's going to have to show what he is this year, and we already know what he is. He's mm-hmm. a really good football player. And like you said, we need him to show, you know, he's Heisman-worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's going to be it for today's episode of Dog Football Weekly. We hope you enjoy.